Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. Noctis Point, Chapter 32. sipped from her mug. The coffee was black, the milk had been finished hours ago, and the yeast-based lactoprotein replacement was beyond foul. Sarah grimaced, taking a gulp of her own, and put the mug down. How long? she asked. An hour. They'll be here soon. They were stood in the principal's office, looking out onto the quad. It had been cleared, and was unrecognisable from just a day before. Every space was filled with students holding weapons, or preparing to bring down violence and fire through whatever means necessary. Elsie, their pet AI and best means of coordinating the defence, had gone dead. They had picked through the wreckage that the rogue psych Rasputin had left in his wake. Four dead, a student injured, enough relays destroyed to reduce Elsie to little more than a pocket calculator. As best as they could tell, one of his final acts seemed to have been to activate a site-wide EMP that was hardwired into the system, and just like that, Noctis Point's best hope was gone. Soft screens were working again now, as were most of the weapons, but Ariadne knew that had he been able to wait until the attack, the base would have been completely defenceless. Of more interest was the boy Psyche that had stopped him, Alex. He hadn't woken up, but his report made for interesting reading. Should any of them survive what was coming, there was hope yet for Sykes. It's time, Sarah said, checking her soft screen. The dome should be deactivating now. As she spoke, Ariadne looked up. The simulated daytime, clouds and all, flashed twice, then vanished. Martian night flooded in to take its place, the stars bright pinpricks. One of the moons, Deimos, was up and glowing in the sky, but the view was desolate in the extreme. All around, the red plains of Mars were dirty and scarred, veins of black running through everything, it was a remnant of the failed terraforming, she knew. Martian green, designed to bring life to the dead planet. It had been such a brilliant idea, but something in the rusty-coloured soil had fought back, had increased the time for Earth-like conditions from months to over a hundred years. And then progress had been made, and someone had come up with Deimos Blue, and Mars had been quietly swept under the carpet. Look up there, Sarah said, pointing. It was difficult to see, but ten black shapes were stood on the dome, at its very apex. The slightest shine on their slick suits gave them away. Who went in the end? Ariadne shrugged. I don't know. Reeve said he'd organise it, so I let him. A lot depends on them, but it's probably a suicide mission. What about us? What are we going to be doing? Well, it depends on what happens next. If the attack goes ahead... Then we barricade ourselves in the shuttle bay. If they stop, parley, then we'll talk. And if they do something like Father tried to do, nuke the planet from orbit, then it won't matter either way, Sarah said. The two of them watched the last few people moving into position, both down in the quad and up on the dome. It was surreal, looking out on such an alien landscape, and Ariadne shivered. Sarah's arm crept around her waist, and for long minutes the two of them stood close, taking comfort in each other's presence. If we don't get out of this, Sarah said, I want you to know that... I know, Ariadne said, turning to face her. Me too. 
but we will get out of this. She hugged Sarah close, feeling the warmth of her body against her own, and then, reluctantly, stepped back. Time to move. Where first? The medical bay. I want that boy, Alex. He's useless here anyway. Don't forget those soft screens. The corridors were silent, and they took the lift down the tall spire without a single word. Medical was deserted as well, only the quiet sound of one person's slow breathing filling the silence. Alex was lying in the bed, a flow foam cast on his leg. He'll be able to walk around when he wakes up, Ariadne said, though not without pain. Help me get his bed moving. As they clicked the brakes off and disconnected the bed from the wall, Sarah said, Tell me again why we need him. From what Reeve told me, he's got a natural version of whatever the Jovians are using to keep themselves safe from Sykes. I think it's way too much of a coincidence that someone develops this power naturally, at the same time as they develop it artificially. Is he the first of a new kind of psych? Can he affect the Jovians? Who knows? Too many questions, not enough answers. But if he's dead, we'll never find out. They wheeled the bed into the corridor, then along towards the shuttle bay. One of the maintenance staff was still in his little office, his brown overalls stained with grease and worse. Highness, he said, nodding. Got a run in sweet as a nut. Not like the day she was made, though. Some of the parts you need aren't easy to come by. Especially not right now. But she'll get you to Earth quicker than the spiders, my lady. Thank you, Ariadne said, smiling warmly. You're a credit to your profession. What will you do now? Mm, last thing Principal Reeve said to us before he went out there was to support the Sykes however we could, the man replied. I'll be doing that. Ariadne's smile froze. Reeve is outside? On the dome? I miss. Said he couldn't let his own do something that he wasn't prepared to do himself. Ariadne closed her eyes briefly. You told him to send his best, she thought. Now suck it up. Thank you, she said out loud, and the man left. I didn't think he'd actually go out there himself, Sarah said. I think more of him. Together, they manhandled Alex's bed towards the little shuttle. Getting him inside was more tricky, but between the two of them they managed to wedge him into a seat and buckle him in. Sarah walked over to one of the walls and put up several of the large soft screens that they had brought down with them. Images flickered into life on them, of the quad, the view outside the dome, the tactical map showing the advance of the Jovian ships, the boy Sykes' health monitor. Little was known about Jovian spacecraft, and Ariadne knew she'd be looking forward to at least learning more about them. Everything was being beamed back to Earth on a coded transmission designed to be intercepted by her father. Dad, she said, knowing that he wouldn't start to receive the message for 12 minutes or more. I'm alive. I'm sorry I didn't tell you that you thought I was dead, presumably. Coordinator Tenevsky tried to have me killed, and then there just wasn't time. I guess... She looked away from the soft screen, not wanting to say the truth. Even here, I'm intimidated by him, she thought, and scowled at her own weakness. She turned back to the camera, eyes clear. I guess I didn't trust you either, but it's done now, and all of the apologies in the world won't make it right. She paused, cleared her throat and clenched her teeth against the lump in her throat. I'm... I'm not great at this. I disagree with a lot of what you do and say. I've been trying to mould the Empire into something better for years, most of the time underneath you or behind your back. Sometimes we've argued. Sometimes you've won. Sometimes I've won. I do love you, though, 
and it's important you know that. Ariadne paused, trying to push down the emotions bubbling in her mind, and cleared her throat again. Here's the situation. Thanks to your order to withdraw, Mars is about to be attacked by Jovians, and I'm here. I've managed to organise them into some kind of defence, but it's going to be dicey. I'm going to try and reason with the Jovians if I can, and get back to Earth if not, though they're not responding to any signals as yet. According to the data we have, the Jovian fleet should be visible to those on the dome now. There's a live feed spliced into this, and you'll need to analyse it to help protect Earth, in case things don't quite go the way I want them to. But there's hope yet. She pressed a control, and the biggest soft screen changed to a view from one of the helmet cameras of the people on the dome. Sure enough, several bright stars could be seen moving against the background of faraway suns, arcing across the sky with a purpose. Ariadne flicked her fingers against the soft screen, and the craft leapt into view. They looked like they were made of coral, grown for a purpose. They were faintly starfish-shaped, but the arms or legs were swept back, giving the impression of great speed. Several smaller craft, seemingly made for single occupants, looked more like tadpoles. Reset view, Ariadne said, and she could see again the sykes on the dome. They were arranging themselves back to back, obviously talking to each other, and Sarah tapped a few keys on her own soft screen. The sound of voices filled the shuttle bay as their radio chatter sprang to life. Stand there. You're the keystone for that side of the wedge. Will it be big enough? It'll need to cover the whole base. No. Someone cut in. Just a third of it. We can flare it out, like the top of a circus tent. When was the last time you saw a circus tent? Someone else said. Both of you. Enough. An older voice said and Ariadne recognised it as Reeve. Do your jobs. Get into position. And now. Nothing happened. At least nothing visible. The descending ships grew closer and closer, bigger and bigger, and still nothing happened. It's not working, Sarah said. Are there ships psych-proof too? Ariadne could only shake her head as the ships dropped to within a hundred metres of the top of the dome. She grabbed Sarah and braced for the impact. of my novel Noctis Point. If you've been enjoying this, why not check out stevecookfiction.com where you'll find more episodes and blogging about fiction. 